Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, April 5, 2023. It's about 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Larry Johnson returns to the show. Always a pleasure, Larry. Thank you. Since Thank you, last Judge. Week's, of course. Um, and and uh, my viewers, thank you as well, Larry. I, I, you can't always see all the comments and emails, but they are legion because we do. I don't know if they all know how far back you and I go and in, in you providing right. me with information in a field about which I was once, some would say still am, uh, ignorant of uh, the intelligence <laughs> no, 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 no. community. But you're my great teacher and everybody should know that. And we're deeply grateful that now you teach a lot of people, uh, including me, on this show. Since last we were together, some uh, unique uh, events happened. And I don't know if there's a connection uh, and between these events, which I'll characterize in a moment, and the military conflagration in Ukraine, um, one Vladin Tartoski uh, was assassinated uh, in a Moscow uh, cafe, and a Wall Street Journal reporter was arrested by Russian uh, security forces in eastern uh, Russia and accused of uh, espionage. Any connection here, either to each other or to the uh, military activities, American military activities in Ukraine? No, I don't think there's any connection between those. Uh, the, the the assassination of uh, Vladland, the terrorist attack on him in the cafe, um, that is part of a long-standing Ukrainian effort to go after dissidents. Remember, last August, uh, Darina Dujina was killed. Uh, she was in a car that was uh, blown up. It was supposed to be her father. And she made the mistake of taking the car that he was going to take. Now, so um, both her father and this fellow Tartoski, as I understand it, correct me, Larry, <clears throat> are nationalists tugging at Putin from the right. They're not peaceniks tugging at Putin from the center or the left. Well, yeah, it's not so much that they're tugging at Putin. They're seeing that they, they've been very outspoken about what's going on in Ukraine, and the Ukrainians see them as an enemy. I mean, frankly, Scott Ritter's on that list. They were These guys were on the list that the Ukrainians were wanting to kill. So, um, you know, I know Scott can take care of himself, but uh, the, this guy was, uh, he was, he was whacked. They're using Russian uh, extremists as a cover. That's what the Ukrainians are using as a cover to try to divert attention away from All right, them. So how, was, how was this he, the Ukrainian without getting, too, without getting too graphic, how was he killed? They, they, they planted a bomb inside a statue. Uh, it was a bust, you know, like a like, uh, head shot of him. And uh, this woman was asked to carry it in. The question remains whether or not she was actually witting that she knew that it carried a bomb. Uh, I don't think so, because if she knew it had a bomb in it, she would not have stayed there sitting in the room. Uh, Vladlin asked her, oh, come over here and sit down. So she was sitting up close to the front, which uh, would, you know, 
you wouldn't do you wouldn't do that if you knew there was a bomb and they're getting ready to, to go off. And, uh, with, did it, and this bomb exploded. This is a bust of himself. She gets right, it. Right. <clears throat> she sits down. It explodes. It kills him. Does it harm her? Uh, no, uh, did not harm her. So apparently she either got out just before it went off or was shielded from the blast by his body. Uh, there were other people that about 40 people were reported wounded. So, so, so this has no military significance. This is just no. an act of vengeance by the Ukrainian intel. Yeah, the, the hit, look, the history of terrorism acts is terrorism acts do not have any strategic effect whatsoever on any conflict. Uh, the, the, the only strategic effect they have is it enables governments to, to impose more draconian laws and control. You saw what happened like after the aftermath of 9-11 in the United States. People were more than willing to let the government start spying on them. You know, the Patriot Act was passed and uh, people rally around the government at that time. So, you know, these are these are really sort of, in my view, counterproductive, uh, but they they, they sure get the, the Irish up and the, and, the, and the Russians over this. That's for so sure. So where, where did this assassination take place? In Moscow? In St. Petersburg. St. In, Petersburg. In, a, in a cafe in St. Petersburg. Can we conclude that uh, Ukrainian intel is physically present, <clears throat> much to, much to uh, Putin's chagrin, in St. Petersburg? Oh, yes. No, they're, they're, they're going to operate. I mean, any, any decent intelligence service, and Ukrainians do have a uh, competent intelligence service, they're going to be able to operate in a variety of areas. The, the question, though, is can they mount, because the, the West is putting a lot of uh, betting, I guess, betting quite a bit of money on the fact that we can stir up an insurgency inside Russia that will force Putin from office and lead to a collapse of society. That's that's just a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. Um, and they're, 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 they assume that they could do to Russia, what they what the United States did to the Soviet Union in Afghanistan, stir up a big insurgency to, domestically. Uh, and they ignore the fact of Russia's been through this before. Starting in 1999, the Chechens, the Chechen region with uh, Muslim extremists, started a massive terrorist campaign against the, the, the Russian government. And the Russians crushed it. They did it brutally, but they crushed it. So they've been through this before. They've, they've been through dealing with Chechen terrorists setting off bombs in Moscow and subways and in airports. And Russia doesn't, you know, they don't melt into a, a puddle and start crying. They All right, so, step up and take care of business. So the assassination of Tartuski, <clears throat> just like the accidental murder of Dugina, these are just pinpricks, maybe even less yeah. than pinpricks. Yeah. Now, they just, go ahead. How about the uh, arrest of the Wall Street Journal reporter? Is that a one-off, or is that uh, is 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 he the the Brittany Griner of twenty twenty three? Is this the new yeah. diplomacy? We'll grab one of yours. You'll grab one of ours. Because I don't know if the public knows this, but two weeks before he was arrested, the Americans arrested a guy who claimed to be a Brazilian soccer player. His real name was Sergei. Cherkasov, and he wasn't a Brazilian soccer player, according to the FBI. He was a Russian spy. Right. I don't know, but is this where we're going? Yeah, I, th I think that's the most likely explanation. A lot of them, you know, they've tried to make the case that uh, Evan Gervich was a, quote, spy that, working for the CIA. The, the CIA is legally prohibited from hiring pain and recruiting journalists, at least U.S. journalists and journalists that work for U.S. Uh, publications. 
is not to say that the CIA could not have hired some foreigner under writing for a foreign newspaper if they wanted to try to collect information. That'd be decent tradecraft. But going, you know, putting a reporter that works for the Wall Street Journal, that's not covert. That's not clandestine. That's about as open as you can get. Um, it's, it's not clear whether or not he was actually lured to the site. He was uh, outside of Moscow and was asked, uh, you know, sort of enticed to try to collect some information so that the uh, basically being entrapped. Uh, there's a lot we don't know about that. I've seen reports claiming he was trying to plant some device uh, that would have some links to the National Security Agency. Again, I, I find that pretty far-fetched. Uh, what people forget, and, and uh, I made a point and received a lot of criticism, but journalists, part of the, the beauty of a journalist is that they can report on secrets that the government does not want them reporting on. And what we've seen happen over the last 20 years is the criminalization of journalism, that any journalist like Cy Hurst, which Cy has written, could he could be accused of being a spy, of conducting espionage, helping Russia. We need journalists like that because, in my experience, when top secret information leaks, it's usually because the government is doing something wrong. It's acting illegally. It's acting improperly. And it's hiding behind security clearances as a way to just keep the American public ignorant. And that, you know, from that standpoint, the journalists need to be protected. Uh, I had a discussion with my brother-in-law on this because he was saying, how is this not espionage? And, and the part of the espionage is, is if you've been recruited as an asset, you're going to pass information to me that I'm going to then publish on the inside, but it's going to be kept secret. It's not going to be kept pu go, go public. What Evan Gershkovich was doing, he was collecting information and writing it up in the Wall Street Journal. I, I found a lot of his reporting really pretty pathetic. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he was... He was not doing aggressive reporting inside of Russia. Instead, he was repeating a lot of pro what I call propaganda memes. But that said, one of the central foundations of our nation's security as a republic is a fourth estate, a free, independent journalist uh, sector. And unfortunately, we don't really have that anymore in the United States. We've got a lot of media that's gone the way of becoming corporate lackeys. And it's it's people like you having shows like this where you at least try to break through that corporate control of media that has become so dominant. We also have uh, media being mouthpieces for M MI6 and CIA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we hate yeah. to say it because I work for Fox, which has a common ownership to the Wall Street Journal, but the Wall Street Journal is quintessentially a mouthpiece for MI6 and CIA, maybe even more so than the New York Times. Well, you know, I when I when I first got my security clearances and finally was read into all these programs and then started reading what was in the New York Times and the Washington Post, I quickly came to realize as long as there was some agreement or consensus within the intelligence community, the policy defense community, information was not leaking. It was only when there was a disagreement that information would leak or if the administration wanting to push a particular policy would allow that information to be put into the newspapers and they would happily publish it. But I also saw as in how the CIA worked in covert action to put place articles in other publications around the world right. where it was not attributable, not obviously attributable to the intelligence community. That happened 
you know, that was happening 35 years ago. And I'm sure it's, it's become more sophisticated now with the electronic media. Would CIA have uh, been aware uh, of Gershkovitz being in the crosshairs of FSB? <laughs> you know, I've raised another possibility, one, one other possibility. Uh, the CIA could have been sending out signals that, in fact, Gershkovitz was working for them just in order to get to bait the Russians to have him pick him up and to create this sort of incident. Uh, now, now, why would it, CIA it, want this incident, Larry? Because it, re it reinforces the image of the Russian as an authoritarian state. What the, what the agency is concerned about now is the erosion in the United States of support for this war effort in Ukraine. So anything we can do to, to rally Americans, like, look what these people are doing, you know, they're awful, and get, yeah, let's get angry at the Russians. And so that stirs up the American public. From that standpoint, this is about more, I think, manipulating American public opinion than it is actually interdicting um, some great espionage effort. I mean, the, the, the simple fact, let's, let's assume that what he was doing was trying to find out how many tanks the Russians are building. Great. The more of that information that comes out, the better, because the sooner we get that, we'll realize we can't compete with the Russians in building tanks. They're built, they're built so many that we're not going to be able to catch up. So maybe we'll wake up and realize we need to try to get a negotiated settlement to stop the slaughter in Ukraine. Maybe that might happen, but right. you know, what, what, that, uh, that's not on the table. What happens to him now? He, he goes through a, a false secret trial. He's sent to some uh, hard labor prison camp where Navalny is, and then eventually there'll be a trade between him and this so-called Brazilian soccer player or somebody else. No, I think it'll be handled, handled a lot like Brittany Griner. It'll be an open trial. Um, and, I, and I think you were correct earlier noting the, the connection to the Brazilian soccer player, that he, he probably was grabbed in order to uh, effective trade down the road. But uh, this is, you know, they're not going to they're not going to send him to the gulag and, you know, strap him in leg irons and make him hammer at rocks. That's not going to happen. All right. You um, talk about the uh, ability of CIA to affect public opinion. Now, my question mm -hmm. is a little uh, off the wall, but I'm I'm confident in your brain. Uh, <laughs> in Israel, there were just tremendous <clears throat> demonstrations against the government, so overwhelming that somebody mm -hmm. as powerful and self-confident and forceful as uh, Benjamin Netanyahu backed down. CIA involvement? I, I can't rule that out. I, I think there's, there's uh, I know that at least from Benjamin Netanyahu's side, they're claiming that there was U.S. influence, uh, U.S. intelligence operations uh, to try to promote that kind of opposition to Netanyahu's government. And let's remember, this is not the first time that the United States would have interfered in the internal affairs of Israel. Uh, it was during the Obama administration that they were actively sending money to opposition political parties. So the, the CIA currently certainly has contacts there and relationships. And, uh, you know, Israel is not a monolith, just like those kinds of political divisions we see here in the United States. Those exist in Israel, even though it's a very, very small state numerically. Since uh, we last spoke, it appears by Ukrainian silence and uh, Russian boasting that Bakhmut has finally fallen. Uh, we know from a map that it's sort of a central uh, location that can almost open the floodgates to 
uh, more Russian troops going westward uh, when the earth hardens a little bit as, as spring uh, arrives. Uh, would the CIA have had officers on the ground so that Langley or the West Wing knew in advance that Bakhmut was going to fall? Stated differently, did Langley, CIA headquarters, uh, West Wing, White House, have an idea of what support Ukrainians really needed before the ground fell or the roof fell in on them? Well, yes, they knew. I don't think they had any personnel forward there at Bakhmut, but uh, you know the CIA has liaison officers through the you know the military. This is what they call the Special Activities Division, which is the paramilitary side of the house. That they've got officers there that are able to at least communicate back to headquarters exactly what they're seeing and what's going on. Whether that gets translated into uh, the the reality is a whole different question. I mean, I, I saw that you know 30, 40 years ago in the wars in Central America, where the case officers who were out in the field were actually yelling at us, the analysts, because we were quote covering up information. And when we let them know that we hadn't seen the information, they were shocked. And it turned out it was being withheld by their bosses on their side of the house. So that that could be going on uh, right now as well. It is it it is not difficult to see. The direction this is headed. This 85% of Bakhmut is now under the control of the Russians. Uh, they captured the city center, the admin center, uh, and th that was very, you know, symbolic. They've, they've got the soccer stadium. They've captured the steel factory, and uh, they've got the, our, what they call fire control, where they can shoot artillery rounds at any vehicle that's trying to move along the only escape route out of there. And there is the, that that road is just littered with uh, armored personnel character carriers, tanks, and other vehicles. So it is a genuine slaughter. And we finally saw today in comments by Zelensky that he's starting to recognize that he's going to have to pull people out, and it's a tough decision. Well, this you know they knew this two months ago. The Russians were quite content to grind them down, and in the background of this. The West is continuing to tell the Ukrainians, hey, you got to mount that offensive. Where's that counteroffensive? You come right. on, get those troops out there. Who does that? Could, could you imagine in World War II in 1944 with Churchill and Roosevelt saying, hey, Eisenhower, come on, when do you get that offensive going? Let's get it going now. Hell, you know, we kept it quiet. We just we probably engaged in deception. And yet the, the, this current group of clowns that infest NATO and the United States military leadership on top of what's going on in Ukraine, they, they act like it's a game. And they ignore the human cost, right. the blood yeah. that's being spilled. I mean, it's, right. it's really sick. They, they, they don't care about human cost. Last area no. of, of inquiry since we spoke last, the NATO-Russian border has been doubled in size. Yeah by yeah. adding Finland to NATO at the height of the Russia-Ukraine war. How insane is that? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's like that uh, old Christopher Walken bit on Saturday Night Live, more cowbell. we got to have more cowbell. And we keep <laughs> doubling down, doing the dumb thing. And it, it, the, the reason NATO expands is because NATO doesn't have enough troops on its own. So it figures if it keeps adding people, we can get some more troops and capability. I mean, that's really what's going on. We're not adding these people because, yeah, look what a strong alliance we are. In fact, 
Judge, if you look at what's happening on the international front, I have never seen the unraveling of American influence take place so rapidly. You have now Syria is being brought back into the Arab League. Uh, Saudi Arabia is facilitating that. Just just yesterday, the the the, the head of Saudi Arabia, I could less about Joe Biden things. I don't pay any attention to him. You've got uh, India and Malaysia saying, okay, yeah, we're going to accept payment for oil now in rupees. So the, the the central point of the U.S. dollar is disappearing. You've got uh, China and Brazil making deals on that front. You've got. Uh, African countries now turning increasingly to, to Russia. And what are we doing? We're bringing Finland into NATO. Ooh, that's scary. Unbelievable. <laughs> Larry Johnson, uh, telling it like you always do. Thank you very much for joining us, my dear friend. Thank you, Judge. Until next week. More as we get it. Uh, Colonel McGregor at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Eastern. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.